listening to Time Vault, the podcast of British cult classics. Hello and welcome to Time Vault. Hello. Hello, yes. We've reached it, the finale of Series 15 of Doctor Who. We have. Yes, the invasion of time. We finally managed to claw our way out from the rubble. (laughs) The um, rubble of what apparently was Underworld. Oh, man, that was hard work. (laughs) Yes, but, um, you know, we come blinking into the sunlight like moles. Yes. And we're faced with... Castellan Kellner <laughs> and the Shabogans, um, <laughs> which Is sound some like kind of seventies rock group. I was just thinking they do Kellner sound and like the Shabogans. It. Yeah, <laughs> Kellner and the Shabogans. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. So yes, so let's have a talk about uh, some behind the scenes of uh, Invasion of Time. So as we mentioned on our Underworld podcast, yes, uh, it was a last minute replacement for uh, David Weir's. Killers of the Dark, yes, which was uh, an adventure about a race of cat people with ties to Gallifrey. Mm. Mm. Uh, well, apparently um, he was sub- Graham uh, Williams was on holiday. David Weir began submitting his scripts to the production office. Um, yeah, look what happens when you go on holiday. <laughs> well, and um, Gerald Blake, who'd been brought on board to direct this serial, his first Doctor Who since Abominable Snowmen. Blimey. I mean... <laughs> That's a bit of a gap. Exactly. Yeah, but don't worry, he'll go on to do Blake 7 and Supergrand before he passes hey. away in 91. So, uh, <laughs> uh, But anyway, he became concerned about the sort of the workability the feasibility if you like well, of, a stadium of full of cat people is rather unfilmable for well yes exactly a stadium days. full of cat people uh, uh, Wembley Stadium in yes. fact full of cat people and uh, he was basically thinking hang on a minute we've been under instruction to get the budget down yeah. uh, given the mounting inflation rates and uh, and this is this isn't this cheap isn't, this ain't going <laughs> to do that it's not going to do that exactly so um, Anthony Reid Agreed with him, yep. and they abandoned that script. Yep. The BBC Sixth Floor said, "Well, look, given the costs of Underworld seem yep. to be going up, why don't we just not do the last six episodes? We'll just mm. shorten the season to twenty episodes, and mm. and, and that's that, uh, and that'll be fine." But Williams and Reed were determined to do the full slate of episodes Good for them. I yeah, mean, yeah, you know, no, no, fair enough. Yeah. Um, but they concluded the only way to do it was to write it themselves. Yeah, uh, not the first time uh, uh, or no. the last that producers and script no. editors will end up doing that. Williams had wanted to do a sequel to The Deadly Assassin, right? And so he and Reed came up with the invasion of time because they still had all the sets. Well, exactly. I mean, well, this was it. I mean, practical necessity mm. says that. They've still got the Gallifrey sets, the costumes, costumes. Uh, and all the bits and bobs from the earlier production. Mm. So money saved there automatically. Exactly. exactly. Um, so great. Uh, Robert Holmes, they rang him up and said, look, we know you've just left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we know you're probably mm. sitting back and going, ah, no more yeah. Doctor Who. Mm. <laughs> I don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, certainly not from a script editor's no, point no. of view. But there he was, you know, probably relaxing in his garden, mm. enjoying a nice pint. Absolutely. Thinking. Uh, kicking the shit uh, out of a dummy of the taxmen. <laughs> exactly. And just going, relax. That's right. Lovely. Ring, 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 ring. Hello, Bob. Yes, it's Graham Williams and Anthony no! Reid. <laughs> exactly. Oh. <laughs> That's exactly how I imagine it went. Uh, but anyway, they said, look, we've got this small problem. He went, I'm not doing it. I'm not writing it. 
<laughs> but I'll give you some ideas. So he advised them to construct their six-parter as a four-part and a two-part story and blend them together, which mm-hmm. he'd done on Seeds of Doom and Talons of Wang Chiang, mm-hmm. uh, or at least he'd sort of seen it work on Seeds of Doom. He also gave them permission to use Barusa mm-hmm. and the Sontarans, all of which he created yeah. for various stories. Yeah. The other problem that Williams and Reed had was that, of course, during the 70s, the BBC had an almost monthly industrial dispute with its unions Um, and 1977 was no different Christmas programming was deemed to have the highest priority Mm -hmm. and actually John Nathan Turner would come up against that again later with Sharda and basically it became clear that Invasion of Time could only be guaranteed a single studio block rather than the three that would normally get allocated to a six episode story fortunately for them and I'd never heard of this before. It's never cropped up in previous sort of right. things. But an emergency fund existed, mm. which would allow Doctor Who two weeks' worth of outside broadcast taping. Oh, right. So somewhere along the line, some mm. wily producer said, you know what, we should squirrel some money away yeah. for a rainy day. Which is for probably Barry Letts. He did probably. that sort of thing. That, you know. yeah, that kind of, yeah. Anyway, so it meant that they'd got this slush fund. Mm. <laughs> it was like, woohoo! Um, just, just, you know, their rainy mm. day fund. Quick, let's smash open the pottery pig, or yep. the pottery tardis, yep. and uh, we'll see what, what's in there. Oh, a couple of licorice all sorts and a button. Fantastic. And some fluff. Anyway, it meant that they could structure their storyline to take advantage of existing locations... And they could set into, large the back garden. And exactly, and they decided to set large parts of the story within the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. Uh, hardly any of which had been seen, so yeah, yeah. you've kind of got carte blanche to do what you want there, really. Mm-hmm. And so the invasion of time was started to um, to take shape. Uh, Williams. Basically, Reed was writing it, and Williams was becoming the script editor. Mm. So between them, they're doing that. Yeah, but yeah, then yeah. Um, Williams found himself contributing quite a lot to episodes five and six. Right. So one, two, three, and four are pretty much all Reed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then five and six are the pair of them. Mm. But as a consequence, they both felt Anthony Reed couldn't get the sole credit. And the BBC does, didn't really want... They were back in that period where they didn't like the idea of producer and script editor right, writing yeah. their own programme. So they were going to transmit it under the pseudonym of Richard Thomas, which was um, Graham Williams' son. But Graham MacDonald, who's head of serials, said, no, you're going to call it call the writer David Agnew, which is a, a, a sort of a nom de plume. They've been used yeah. on a variety of BBC mm. programmes dating back to 1971. See, now, a lot of Doctor Who fans have, and I've seen it even recently, uh, and heard it in a couple of podcasts where people have talked about it and said, oh, it was a Doctor Who pseudonym they used going back, because mm. it was ended up, I think it was used on City of Death as well, wasn't it? I think it? so, yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, things like that. Well, no, it wasn't a Doctor Who yeah, a solely Doctor Who thing. No, no, it no, was a, a BBC, BBC in-house yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. pseudonym. So it'd be interesting to sort of find out how many, what Agnew other programs. Written, yes. Yeah, David Agnew has written because then you can go hello, hello. That was the producer and script editor, or someone mm. internally who wasn't allowed yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. To, to 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 put their name on it. So uh, it'd be fascinating mm. to find out mm. what David Agnew's written over the over oh, the absolutely. years. Oh, you know, uh, and if they still use it. I yeah. mean, I mean, I presume it wouldn't happen now, but up until like you know, producer's choice and the mm. independent were brought in so that'd be like sort of 91 so yeah, yeah. basically anything between anything during the classic era of mm. Doctor Who like, so anything between 71 and about 1990 mm. 
you could find there's a whole shed load of David Agnew produ- oh, <laughs> written absolutely. scripts knocking around the well, BBC. Yeah. Wow, this guy wrote for anything. <laughs> Literally yeah. anything. He could turn his hand <laughs> to any genre. Absolutely. You know, man, why isn't he writing for TV yeah. now? <laughs> he is. Yes. Um, but they don't have a problem with them writing no. it now. Otherwise, he's Steve ro- he, otherwise he, he's the writing last, under other names The last now. two seasons of Do- modern Doctor Who would all have been written by David <laughs> Agnew. <laughs> Wouldn't they? Because yeah. it's Stephen Moffat and so-and-so. Yeah. Stephen yeah. Moffat. Stephen Moffat and so and so, Stephen Moffat and so and so, so and so and Stephen Moffat, Stephen Moffat, Stephen yeah. Moffat. It would literally it would, it would just be David, David Agnew. Agnew. Yeah, yeah. I love the idea of that. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'd love to see a string of revised fan credits all yeah. <laughs> attributed to David oh, Agnew. Absolutely, man, the man's a genius. Um, <laughs> anyway, or, so or possibly not, or possibly not. Well, quite rightly. Um, the only other wrinkles that still needed to be ironed out mm-hmm. was, um, well, firstly, as we'll discuss. There is the the problem of K9 and the lawnmower motor from hell. Yes. <laughs> um, they'd realised that, obviously, as he'd only been brought in for one story, mm. he'd only been designed to cope with yes, that story. Yes, he been designed for longevity. No, exactly. So, And they'd realised that the prop was not working well. So they agreed to write him out at the end of this series. Mm. And for a while, they were just going to... That was it. Yeah. They weren't going to bring him back at all. But... There were a couple of things. Firstly, he'd proved really popular with kids. Mm. Um, and I know Doctor Who fans hate it to, to acknowledge that. <laughs> but we were all kids once, I and know. I can see how K9 would have been popular. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you can, you can, as an adult, you can actually see it written. Mm. And if you've got kids yourself, you know full well you'll be looking at it going, oh my God, yes. It's a terrible decision, but I see why they did it. Mm. So, but what they decided then was if they were going to bring him back, it was a good excuse to redesign completely it, redesign yeah. the prop and make it a bit more workable. Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, they couldn't totally change the design. No. Or at least they they could have they done, should, actually. They yeah. had the opportunity to revise it, but they didn't revise it enough. Well... Because he still can't get in and out of the TARDIS. The, well, no. I mean, the outside they didn't redesign. They redesigned the its workings. Yeah. To make him a lot yep. more manoeuvrable and so he wouldn't interfere with the cameras and yep. all that kind of and stuff. And he'd actually... He could shut up. Yeah. So... <laughs> exactly. So... Uh, so that was kind of a problem easily yeah, yeah. dealt with. You yeah. know, that once they decided they were going to keep him, it's just a question of redesigning the prop yes. to make him less noisy and a bit more helpful to the team when they're making the show. Yes. Perfectly reasonable. Less easily dealt with, though, was Leela. Mm. Graham Williams, in what will become a... Um, well, a signature of his time mm. on the show, um, says to his female leads, you're going to stay for next year? No, thanks, Graham. Are you sure you're not going to stay for next year? It's no, honestly, Graham... I'll, I'll, we're done, I think. Yeah. That's great. Thank you very much, but no. Are you sure I can't persuade you to stay? No. Okay, fine. We'll talk about this again yeah. two weeks before the, the end of the season. So, all ready for next year? Uh, no, Graham. I said I wasn't coming back. <laughs> no, you didn't mean it. It's, it's no, honestly, Graham. I'm, I'm really, I'm like, I've got other work lined up. No, stop. It's fine. No, honestly, I'm glad you're joking because we've not even considered writing you out properly. Uh, no. What? It's oh like um, <laughs> it's like that line in, in, in Blackadder, isn't it? If if all else fails, a total pig-headed unwillingness to look facts in the face will see us through. <laughs> exactly. And that is exactly <laughs> what happened. You know, I mean, Louise Jameson had assured him many, many times that she was done with Leela. Mm. She'd done uh, yep. two seasons. Two seasons. Two, two yeah. full seasons. Two full seasons. Yeah. I mean, really strong and, and, in, and in all of it. Yeah. And she was just, you know... Okay, my time is up. I'm 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 done here. Thank you. But he really wasn't having any of it, and it's exactly the same problem he would face with Mary Tam a year later. Mm. And then so it 
it basically comes to a massive disappointment when she, he yeah. just can't persuade her to stay, and yeah. they hadn't written her out properly. No. So they hastily had to marry her oh, off to oh, Andrew. Oh, well, well, she fancies him, they get married at the end. Well, interestingly, I mean, you know, it was a big disappointment to Louise Jameson, who wanted to see Leela killed off. Yeah. However, I will go with Williams and Reed on this, who decided that it would actually be too traumatic and for the series younger viewers that I'm sort of hum ha we'll see I don't know mm. but a pessimistic way to end the season that yes. I agree with yes to end the season yes if she was leaving midway through a season yeah you could get away different. with it but, but at the end of the series it's a really downbeat way to go g- particularly given that they'd actually thought already thought about killing her off during um, the during Sunmakers and changed them you know, which would have been mid-season idea. so yeah. that w- it would have worked writing her out that yeah. way mid-season not that I think she should have been killed off in that way in that story. Honestly, but. though, I mean, we'll talk about this later, but I just can't see... For that period of Doctor Who, I just think killing off a companion seems really out of place. Mm. It just doesn't... I no, just don't it, think it would I, fit. It I would be a right. really weird... I think so. ...uncomfortable note. And I think, I think so. in years to come, we'd have all regretted it, because mm. it's just... Whether it had been Sarah who they were initially planning to kill off, mm. I just think, ultimately... It's well, when you not, it does, in that particular era of the show, I just well, don't you, think when, it when would work. When you think about it, the only the only companion that had been killed off at that point was Katarina in a very surprising, unexpected. And um, she hadn't moment. been around long and enough for anyone to care about anyway. To care about her. So no, I don't think it was. It would have felt right. Mm. No, I agree. And it's, it, it's it, maybe it would have worked for the character of Leela because of her, who well, she was. If and you what were doing did. an adult program yes, then exactly. yes I then could see it, it it would it would work for the character but that period of Doctor Who I, I, I agree I don't think it would have worked mm. so anyway I mean they marry her off now as it turns out Graham Williams had already started devising a new companion uh, Roman Advertralanda or Romy mm. uh, as she was at the mm-hmm. time but he hadn't put a lot of effort into it because he was he was he perfectly expecting expect- a last minute rewrite to keep her in yeah, yeah, yeah. man you know, the man just can't take a hint. Nope. So, uh, so anyway, so that's where we are with the invasion of time. Now, I mean, series fifteen, I think it's fair to say, had been up and down. Yes. You know, it lost a good script editor. Started, it's getting a new it one in. Up, it went down. Yeah, exactly. Starts off high. Kind of underworld was was unfortunate was for them. It had a lot of problems, mm. and it was a low point of the mm. season. And uh, even though it was getting respectable viewing figures, but um, ultimately the new team, if you like, are only just starting yes. to get their feet under the table. Yes. So it's very hard to sort of pin any faults on season solely on them. I mean, there were things going mm. on, transitions, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and also, again, to be fair to them, the whole issue of inflation yeah, and yeah. the budget they were given and yeah. the instructions to well, you can't do any more scary stuff yeah. is all effectively a massive restraint mm. on a production team mm. you know if they haven't got enough problems with trying to sort of get their own feet under the table and take it in the direction they want they're then told well but you want you you have to go in this direction and you've got to do it for this much less money mm. all of a sudden you're sitting there thinking God, did I really take this job? <laughs> so you know, I don't, I don't give them too hard a time for series fifteen. Mm. That if you like, the proof of their pudding and their efforts will be seen over their first full series yes. together, which yes. will be the following year. So we'll talk about that yeah, when we yeah, get yeah. there. So that's invasion of time, background, and all the blah. Mm. I'm sure we'll cover some of it again when we're talking about yes. the episodes. But we've just watched episodes one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. Let's have a clip and the synopsis. Perusa. Before you go, another lesson. On what particular subject? The Constitution. You had that at your fingertips last time we met. Yes, and if I hadn't, you would have killed me. Not I. 
the then Chancellor. Oh yes. Did you did you just assume his office? The council ratified my appointment. Without a president, the council can ratify nothing. There was no president. And the president-elect was elsewhere. Yes. But my point is... Perusa! You haven't been given leave to depart yet. And until you have been confirmed and inducted as president, I do not need your leave to do anything. The ceremony must take place at once. As soon as... At once! Okay, so we start with a big spaceship. Not a little one. Not a little one. Well, there is a little <laughs> one, but it's being overshadowed by a big one. Um, not in the not in the opening shot of Star Wars kind of way, but it is. A, Although there is a hint of it, there's a hint of it under, being a bit like under that. the big ship, and you see the. Little <laughs> ship. But but it's quite clearly a massive ship compared yes. to the little one, and we we um, suddenly go on board the ship and we see the Doctor in a rather sparse control room. We see him and with their backs to us in these very sort of uh, we assume they're chairs. They just look like. Um, Looks like three stones. They look like the, <laughs> they, they look like the stones that Obelix carries around in the asteroid. <laughs> a um, menher. Yeah, men- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's three three menhers are um, in in front of the thing, and we see the Doctor talking to them, facing us. He's finally flipped. Exactly. <laughs> He's talking exactly. to three talking rocks. To rocks. Three rocks. And oh um, look, rocks. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they want him to sign a document which would give him con- total control over the Time Lords. Yeah. And um, he, he signs it. Um, after a little big bit shaky of a, cross, bit of, a, bit of a legal quibble, he signs it and says, "Ah, oh, well, I've signed lots of things." Yeah, um, no one's caught me yet. <laughs> exactly. Back in the TARDIS, the lights have been put onto dimmer, and uh, what is going on in there? It's so know. dark, and it's so tiny. Yeah, it's cramped. The, the console isn't it? is almost touching the walls. It's, you know, it's you like can, they've they've only put a bit of the setup. Yeah, up, you isn't can it? barely walk around the console. It's, it's so tiny and very dark. Yeah. And Leela's in. Leela and Kaline are in there. And canines being very cagey, cagey, <laughs> and obstructive. And um, Leela tries to use the scanner, but it won't work. Yeah. Leela's confused because the yeah, doctor and the canine doctor are both being a bit furtive and yeah, mysterious. They haven't, they haven't told her wh- where they are, what's going on. And um, then she finds out that um, the doctor told canine to stop Leela from using the console. And the doctor comes back with a, his magic clothes. In a similar way to the Mask of Magic Mandragora. Clothes. Well, in a similar way to the Mask of Mandragora, <laughs> if you remember. Yeah, oh, the, no, mis- no, ro- the no, Robots of Death. Robots of the mystery of the, the mystery reappearing of the scarf. scarf. When we see the Doctor <laughs> talking to the Menhirs, he's wearing his scarf. Yeah. When he walks, he back strides in, back into the TARDIS. He strides back into the TARDIS without his scarf, which is hanging, hanging, hanging on the, on the coat, coat, coat stand. So how he did that, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know. But you know, it, it's it's. <laughs> It's a bit of a clunker, that one, actually. But anyway, um, (laughs) he comes back into the console room and Leela starts questioning him and he tells her to ask K-9 to tell her to shut up and then they leave. Well, and K-9 pulls his gun on her. Yeah, K-9 pulls his gun on Leela. And and says, please be silent, mistress. And she's looking all... And actually, there's there's a couple of things... Well, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll we'll wait till we get to it. Sorry, um, I just want to talk about it now! Yes, I know you do. That's, (laughs) That's why you're not allowed to do the synopsis. I know. Because it would literally it take would literally hours. Take us forever. <laughs> um, we have tried it. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
we never tried it again, did no. we? <laughs> um, and um, so, and they leave on Gallifrey. Uh, we meet Commander Andred, and um, he hears from uh, traffic control that there is a unrecognised time capsule approaching. Mm. But he he looks into it, and then he goes and reports to the Castellan. Uh, Castellan Kellner, and um, that there's an unrecognised. Not Castellan Spaniel. No. Um, and hey, what's um, happened to Castellan Spaniel? Um, well, the same thing that's happened to um, Barusa and Engin and all the other people that were in the um, prequel to this story. Yes, yeah, none of them have returned for the sequel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so we have Castellan Kellner. He tells Andred that, you know, well, yeah, fine, when it arrives, you've got to take the occupant into custody, uh, and if they're a threat, you've just got to destroy it. Um, blah, blah, usually. Blah, blah, blah. And he says, yes, I know the regulations. Don't worry. I'm going to. <laughs> yes, there's a little bit of tension there, isn't of, there? A, a bit of Even though of, um, Andred is, is obviously got to be re- subservient yeah. to Kellner. Yeah. He He's clearly, like, yes, he clearly re- resents Kellner because yeah. I, I, I just, just get the impression they don't like each other. No, but I think, absolutely. I think Andred is very much of the opinion. Yes, thank you. I've been doing this job yes, a long I time. Job. I'm a commander. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. Mm. You know, I'm only telling you this because the law dictates exactly. I have to. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he, he goes off with his guards to meet the TARDIS when it turns up and so you've got these like six or six or seven um, chancery guards all waiting outside the TARDIS. The Doctor and Leela come out. The Doctor sort of does his usual, ah yes, you're here to meet me good, excellent, well, let's, come on, let's go this way yeah. um, you know, I'll follow you and it's like no, 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 I'll lead the way <laughs> you know, trying to confuse the guards yeah. but they, t- they take him with them. And they're going to take him to Kellner or somewhere like and, that, but, but, but he, he makes them, he makes them le- keep Leela there by the TARDIS, mm. the two of them guard Leela. Uh, he take, makes Andrew and the other guard take him they're going to take him for questioning but he stops off at the Chancellor's office yeah, Bruce's. where Barusa is and um, he gets them to let him in there and he promptly turns around and says right I'm claiming my right claiming as president my right to be president as of last time I was here kind of thing I, I'm claiming my rights and uh, so you have to um, yeah, you have he to basically um, kicks, kicks up a whole shitstorm of uh, political intrigue. He does. He does. <laughs> just waltzes in and says, "I'm the president." Yes, and you can't stop me. Yes, and basically we find out from um, Barusa and Kellner that um, after the deadly assassin debacle, nobody else was up for being president. Um, so he was the only candidate. So Barusa became chancellor in place of Goth. Yeah, and has been effectively running things. At which point, the doctor says, "Well, that was illegal because I'm the president-elect. You shouldn't be there, so mm. I'm the president. So all of you do what I." Bl-. He starts shouting at them, ordering them about. And says, "I'm the bloody president. Get the f- out of my office <laughs> and do what I say." You that shit. That's, that's, that's that, effectively what he does. That's pretty much it. But Barusa is, um, <laughs> you know, incensed by all this, and he's like, "How?" dare you talk to us etc but Kellner is like kind of well yes that is kind of the law isn't it so we've got to kind of go along with it oh Kellner has there ever been a more convincing portrayal of an unctuous oily obsequious conniving little git (laughs) Chancellor obsequious yes seriously Milton Johns rocks this performance he's brilliant absolutely while he's once he's on Gallifrey and while he's doing all this we keep cutting back to brief shots of the menhers looking at a screen of, of red shapes and going, aha, we have them. And then it cuts back, and then it goes, ah, he's doing, he's, he's, well, he's doing well. Well, I think the, 
it's not particularly well directed, but I, I'm sure the intention is to show that they, they, they are, can they see, can see or they happening. can certainly monitor everything yes. that the Doctor is they, yes. doing. Yeah, well, yeah. Ob- ob- that, that so there is clearly no, he is yeah. clearly got nowhere to hide. No, but we keep cutting to them seeing this uh, and obviously yeah. saying, "Ah, we're getting there, we're getting there." So we we clearly know that they they know what what the Doctor is yeah. doing. He starts getting all you know. I want this. I want my uh, my office decorated. With, in an earth fashion and reeling off all sorts of numbers mm. and um, he tells um, Barusa that I want it decorated in lead mm. and um, then th- then they go off to have the uh, the ceremony that makes him the president Leela is allowed to attend she manages to convince Andrew to let her keep her knife uh, as long as she promises not to kill anyone um, which which we, I love the bit she sort of thinks about it and goes well I'll try yes, I, I, I will do my best you know it's a, it's a <laughs> Again, uh, do you know what? I'm going to say it now. Louise, I know I'll say yeah. it. Louise Jameson is just bloody marvellous. We can't look. We've said it every story oh. she's been in. We are not going to not do it this time. We have to. No, but know. but she is. I mean, she is. Oh, oh, oh. And it, we'll come to that in episode three. We'll Doesn't matter that. what she's given to do. Somehow no. she makes it work. Absolutely. And just what an actress. Yes. So, so good. So we go to the the room where the where the doctor supposedly assassinated the previous president. So we, it's the same set. The Panopticon. Um, yeah, the Panopticon. Looks actually, I think, better than it did in Deadly Assassin. I think we see more of it, and there's a nice echo, and it seems to look bigger. Well, interestingly enough, yeah, well, yeah, we might as well talk about it now. Yeah, I agree with you, actually. It does. I mean, one of the things I like is some of the sound design on here. They've d- clearly put echoes yes. onto pretty Footsteps, all anything. Voices, like everything. And that's really interesting, because they didn't do any of that no. for Deadly Assassin. And no. oddly enough, I think it lacked as for, for that, because... The Panopticon is supposed to be a much bigger room, yes. and as a consequence, when they do it here, there is a genuine mm. feeling of scale and yes. space to it that there wasn't in no. Deadly Assassin. And it's interesting because mm. Deadly Assassin's an extremely well put together production. Yes. David Maloney was mm. the director on that one, and he he never skimps on stuff. No, no, no. But I do remember. I mean, we've said this before actually with Doctor Who that there's been times when you kind of wish they'd spent a bit more time on the the sounds, like so when. An obviously cardboard door shuts. Mm. It doesn't sound like a cardboard door no, shutting. No, no. If they'd put a sound effect of a metallic door shutting yes. over the top of it, it yeah, would have yeah. sounded better. Mm. And they don't do it often enough. On this one, there's a bit more mm. of that, which is good mm. because it has given a sense of depth and scale yes. and grandness mm. to things like the Panopticon. So when they're in there talking and you can hear it, when they talk, you hear the echo. It feels like they're in a big yes. room, a but, really big room. But there's, there's also a shot later on where you see the Chancery Guard walking into that main Panopticon Hall through another room off it and yeah. you actually see through the doors to the other... It yeah. all, and you get shots from a, the balconies above. It all makes it look bigger. And, it just and, seems yeah. to have been directed with more of an eye for the scale of it. Yeah, yeah the, the, the Panopticon really does look good in this yeah. But, I agree, um, absolutely. So we go to the Panopticon, and Leela's there as well, and a number of Time Lords to watch the Doctor get um, you know, inaugurated. inaugurated um, and he, co- he comes in wearing a sort of a wee willy winky night robe. And oh, that's um, not good look, is it? Because it's, it's like not good. this really tight collar. Really as well. tight collar. So basically, it's just wh- like you've got, uh, you've got and a big long a thin dress. body dressed for bed yeah. with this huge curly yeah, yeah. head on the top exactly it, it looks it like looks it looks like odd. a novelty candle he does <laughs> he does actually but uh, anyway so he walks up stands on the podium and as you know the as black rod comes along and talks and does all his who 
You know, it's like in the chamber, you know, the, the <laughs> Black House, Rod. House of the Parliament, you know, he has to, with his big. With his Sounds staff. like we've drifted into an X rated Doctor Who. Well, it's like Black Rod, like in the House of Commons. Yeah, sure. Know, does the announcement. Does anyone. It's like a wedding. Does anyone here have any reason why this man cannot be wed to the Matrix? <laughs> um, and uh, anyone reason why he can't have the sash? Nobody. All right, here's the sash. Which, I, or, I think it's a bit bad that he has to put it on himself. Normally, you'd have some. Yeah, have you'd think you'd have a lackey, wouldn't you? But he puts the sash on. Sorry, you don't call them lackeys, do you? No. Slave. No. <laughs> Anyone say why he can't have the rod of Rassilon? Mm. No, here we go. It's a rod of... Anyone say why he can't have the invisible key on the inflatable Amazon packaging of Rassilon? Because <laughs> um, it's like a, a bright pink one of those bags of air yeah, you get in Amazon packaging with nothing on it because nobody knows where the key is, the key of Rassilon is, so it's just ceremonial. So he's given all these things. He goes, right, no objections. Here's the coronet of Rassilon. Or the Matrix, yeah. rather. The, the At least it was, I would thank God it was the coronet and not the cornet of Rassilon. <laughs> I was more thinking of an ice cream. Well, probably. either way, either way, <laughs> it's not what you want in a in a in a in an the important ceremony. Of Rassilon. <laughs> oh, the, the flake's missing. <laughs> Somebody's eaten my flake. <laughs> is it you, Barusa? <laughs> probably. No. Anyway, so any, so anyone can say why he cannot have the Mister Whippy of Rassilon. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we've got Black Rod. We Absolutely. might as well Mr. Whippy. Absolutely. But anyway, he's he's presented with the um, the circlet that is the Matrix, and he puts it on his head, and it promptly starts making a noise, and he collapses in pain. Mm. And um, Leela rushes over. Leela rushes over to him, saying, "Are you all right?" Barusa starts going on about how the Matrix has rejected him, and then the legal guy says, um, "No, no, no! It's too. It hasn't rejected him. He's the president. We've yeah. just inaugurated him. Yeah. So you doesn't, can't. It doesn't matter now. The matter. Matrix he or no the, Matrix, he's the he's president." President and Bruce is adamant that he can't, you know, the, yeah. he can't be because the Matrix is going, you know. But Bruce is overruled, mm. and um, the Doctor is taken away, unconscious, for to recuperate in in Bruce's in the uh, Chancery, in the, yeah. in the Chancery. Um, and Barusa takes Leela, um, saying, "Bring her. We will determine whether or not she had anything to do with it." Yeah, which um, which I just sat there going, "Really? Sense. It doesn't make it for a start." There's absolutely. We all watched it. That she was clearly yeah. not attacking him. Absolutely. Um, I think. And then, I think and he's, then, he's just because his authority has just been questioned over whether or not he's a president, yeah. he's just desperate to to say reassert to his do something. Himself, so yeah. But they all get taken. The, the Barusa and Leela and um, everyone. They all go to where the doctor is has been put. For, for his rest and it, he's obviously he's put himself into a self-induced coma or whatever because of whatever the pain was mm. he regains consciousness pretty quickly though he reminds the Time Lords that no aliens are allowed on Gallifrey although he's the one that brought her there and he instructs that she is expelled from the capital out into the wastelands yeah, uh, where she, they live and although where they live and scavenge like scavenge. animals, but uh, um, we don't know that yet though. But um, it just she'll be exposed to the wasteland, so she promptly kicks one of the guards in the nuts and does a runner. Quite right um, too. That would so, have been my first reaction. Absolutely. So Andred and his guards run after. The, while while Barusa leaves the Doctor to rest, the Doctor then gets up, gets dressed. And makes his way back to the TARDIS. Well, the, well, no, the Doctor finds a secret entrance. He finds a, a secret, a secret, ex- secret exit from Barusa's office. He's 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 pretty much convinced Barusa will have some sort of second exit. Out yeah, yeah, of yeah. The I'm not quite sure why, other than the fact that it's an old building and maybe there's just these sorts of things. There. Anyway, he finds it. Yes, he finds it. So because because um, Barusa has put guards on yeah. the Chancery. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's interesting. On the one hand, you sit there thinking, well, he's done it because he's a president and therefore he should mm. be guarded at all times. But also, you get the fit Barusa not been happy with the way the Doctor's been treating him or behaving so you kind of get the feeling he's put him on there to keep him a prisoner as well yes so the, but the Doctor knows this yes so 
the so he's looking for out. another way out yeah. and he finds he it he finds it he sneaks out and he makes his way back to the TARDIS Leela finds him and starts following him secretly oh, unaware that she's been spotted on the security cameras following yes, him yes so and Kellner's then watching Kellner all of this her and obviously sees the doctor wandering about and he's like, and he's like hmm well he checks with Barusa and says oh well oh, Carlton um, yeah. is, uh, is, is, is the doctor resting. is the president, president. still uh, still resting yes oh he is he is oh he's, he has, he's not coming out. oh you're sure about that are you oh right fine mm. but he doesn't turn around and say well I've got him on camera no, he he's clearly he keeping that information to himself because he's an oily He's one of those. Git. He's one of them. <laughs> so he w- he watches, and the doctor goes into the TARDIS. Leela comes up to the TARDIS, starts banging on the door, because the doctor's locked her out. The doctor's locked her out, and we see him on the inside, listening to her trying to get in, putting his fingers in his yes. ears. He clearly doesn't want to do it, and Kaline's head droops. His head sadly. Leela hides because she hears the guards coming. So the guards arrive. They assume Leela's got into the TARDIS. So Andred sends one of them off to get a load of keys. Yeah because it's a complex Type 40 weird weird lock on this yeah. one, uh, which we know that from yeah. uh, history. It's a weird lock. Uh, the Doctor sits there talking to K-9. Well, clearly he's explained what's yeah, going K-9 on to K-9. He's now to. basically sat down and he's explained the whole plan because K-9's going, mm, 39% chance of success, Master. What, what if Ouch! I, what if I do this? 48%. <laughs> How about if I do that? Mm, 98%. Oh, yeah. all right. Fine, okay, we'll, we'll do this do then. then. Um, uh, yeah, and the Doctor basically decides, well, well, what if we destroy the transduction? barrier yeah, yeah so bearing in mind that we still don't know no, what's, what's going, going on, on. No, no, no. we now know I mean interestingly I was saying to Mike actually um, we're starting to get to a point where unless something unless we're let in on this soon mm. uh, it's going to get irritating because the doctor's behavior is all He's, over yeah, the place yeah and Although it was interesting to start with, it's getting borderline irritating now that he would just suddenly start screaming at people yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and his behaviours all over the place. And you kind of think there's something going on, but we need to know need, more about it. So now that he's it. sort of explaining something to K9, yeah. and in a way that seems more doctorish, mm. we're now kind of, oh no, hang on. It's actually all yeah, right because whatever he's up to, uh, we, we, not that we ever thought he really had turned no, bad, no, no, but, no. but it's nice to know that there is a plan. He's mm. not just winging it and there's something going on. Now we know that K9's in on it, things yep. will start to move on yep. and hopefully get better. So after his discussion with K9, he leaves the TARDIS, walks straight out uh, into the guards. and well, it's um, Andred, isn't it's it? It's Andred. Yeah, Andred. Um, well, there's a couple of guards with him, I think. Oh, yeah. But um, he walks straight out into them, gets Andred to eat a jelly baby, and then decides, right, come along, we'll. We'll go. We'll go this way. So the guards leave with the doctor. Leela, meanwhile, has has scarped and gone another way, and she's found her way to. Well, she suddenly had to hide. She suddenly in, had so to she hide, nip through a doorway, yes. and found herself, found in, herself a, in traffic control. Yeah, basically, basically um, where there space is, traffic control, where there is one slightly uh, bored woman, slightly bored woman called Rodan, um, who complains that she's um, she's reached level seven and she's just a glorified traffic. Yeah, bird. basically, look, I'm too smart for this yes. job. She's, she's got I'm a, a bloody woman yes. on Galera. Absolutely. She's got, she's got a bit of a... Look at this ceiling. It's made of glass. Yeah. She's, she's got a little bit of a posh accent, but not too much. But, no. Um, well, she she's, uh, feels like a prototype Romana. It feels like a prototype Romana, it does. Um, and um, she seems completely unconcerned about the fact that Leela's there. And she's like, oh, that's Well, and Leela oh, says, you don't seem particularly bothered. That's it's not my business. problem, is it? You can't get in because there's, fo- there's a force field stopping her from leaving. Mm. You can't get in and it's the guard's business, really. So, that, so she, doesn't, she doesn't alert anyone to Leela's presence. 
and um, she explains to Leela what she's doing, and basically she monitors any any alien ships that come near Gallifrey, make sure none of them try to get to Gallifrey, because there's a, a force field around Gallifrey, the yeah. transduction barrier, and she just makes sure, oh no, they're going that way, they're probably going on to destroy some other race or, or have a war or something, and Leela's like, well, why don't you stop them? It's like, none of our business. Um, we in, we don't interfere. We don't interfere. Interestingly enough, she... Ref- well, and actually, Leela says... Sorry to interrupt you. Leela says... But what if they attacked you? And she goes, well, I well, just feel sorry for them because... because we've got the transduction barrier, you know, we can't get in. A, we're massively powerful, and B, we've got the transduction mm. barriers which stop anybody getting in. Yes. Now, of course, we know that we the know Doctor has just ordered K-9 to destroy, destroy the transduction barriers. Um, <laughs> exactly. Interestingly enough, Rodan refers to everyone else in the Citadel as Time Lords. He says, oh, they're Time Lords, suggesting she doesn't consider herself one. But then later on, the Shabogans refer to everyone... I- and themselves as Time Lords. So it's all a bit... Uh, it's, it's like it's not quite... Mm, not quite sure I'm, how... So, so I, I, I like to... Are I, there I, Time Lords and Gallifreyans? Yeah, exactly. But I am kind of think of her as a Time Lord, mm. to be honest with you, or Time Lady or whatever you want. She eventually lets Leela in, and um, they just sort of sit there. The Doctor, meanwhile, has taken the guards... As he said, taken the guards with him, and after a little while, K-9 comes out of the TARDIS, shoots a guard in the hand until he falls unconscious, <laughs> and then... Uh, because, because as ever, as ever, they always have to get down to pat the doggy and then he shoots them yeah, because his gun won't point any higher exactly. than the floor so the guard has to crouch <laughs> down in order to be shot so um, he so, oh my nuts oh yeah <laughs> It's exactly like Invisible Enemy all over again. It is, it is. I hope he's not the same guard that Leela kicked in the nuts. He's really knocked (laughs) it Poor guy. Being a truss. (laughs) Anyway, so K-9 basically makes his way through the Citadel, presumably stunning every guard he comes across. In the nuts. Yeah, exactly. And he he basically (laughs) goes... Sorry, I've just got a vision of all these... It's like, oh, we've got to go through this again, have we? Right, bend down, pat the doggy. Oh, my nuts! In the the next episode, all the guards are going to be heavily bandaged around the crotch. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, it's that bloody dog. (laughs) This is Commander Andred, new directive, cod pieces for all guards. Armoured cod cod pieces (laughs) for all guards. Um, Anyway, K-9 makes his way down to the bowels of the Citadel with all the the mechanics and starts blasting away at everything, apparently. Some nice explosions there, actually. um, Which blows up the transduction barrier. Which brings the transduction barrier down. Rodan then notices... Holy shit! Exactly. There's a big. There's a very big ship approaching. Oh, the transduction barriers are not working. So immediately she head for the hills. So she immediately hits the alarm and does an announcement saying we're being invaded. And at precisely at this point, the Doctor has got his council, his council, Bruce Kellner and all the others to the Panopticon. Where it says, "Meet your new masters." And a uh, few shimmery bits of tinfoil tin appear, on and the doctor laughs. Yeah, going. <laughs> yeah, and oh. the, do- the doctor laughs like a maniac. Yeah, and everybody bows yeah. as if to say, "What? No, I'm not going to meet my new masters with the bloody time lords." No, they don't do that. They all go, "All right," and bow yeah. their heads. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, apart from Barusa, actually, Barusa, to be fair, yeah, yeah. Barusa in true form is going. What the bloody hell? I'm like, <laughs> exactly. Tinfoil on coat hangers? You've got to be joking. Absolutely. <laughs> the very least, it should be a velvet robe mm, <laughs> on a coat hanger. Yes. But no, it's... Too tinfoil, late. Tinfoil on coat hangers shaking in the wind. The invading beings are known as Vardens. The Doctor advises them to all submit to their new and powerful masters, and they all sort of go, all right, and they all wander off. And he asks Barusa to meet him in his office. Well, he says, check that check everything I asked everything for has been done. done. And, and Barusa's like, yes, it's been... Done. Right, right. Fine, meet, meet me in the office in yeah. about an hour then. Yeah. So, 
And he's kind of got a hold of Bruce's arm because Bruce looks down mm. as if to say, well, hang on, you're gripping my arm in a way. Mm. So maybe Bruce is getting some sort of idea. Well, to be honest, I got that impression when he had the first um, conversation asking him to to decorate the room in mm. lead and Bruce seems to think, there's a the way very that Bruce is. Request. He seems to think something's up. Anyway, the Doctor and Bruce do meet in the Doctor's office, which once they've established that it is all everything, walls, floor, ceiling, door, windows, air conditioning, is all made of lead. Bruce the, turns around and says, you could never deceive me when you were my, when student. You were my student. And, uh, and you haven't, it, nothing's changed. You know, and and, and either, you haven't changed and neither have I. And so what's so, going on? So the Doctor explains that he's made this deal with the Vardens to invade Gallifrey, and the Vardens, being beings of effectively like um, sound wave, electrical wave, energy Mm. waves, they can monitor his thoughts. Yeah, and And anybody's for that matter. Except they can't can't see through lead, so they're like Superman. um, (laughs) Which is why he's had the office decorated in lead, because he can now talk freely to Barusa. Effectively, yes. Um, The only way he can build any defences against the Vardens is to fill his mind with rubbish, which, quite frankly, the Doctor's mind is already full of rubbish Mm. anyway. Which explains why he was doing hopscotch in the corridor or asking people for tea and and doing all the weird behaviour. Yeah. Unfortunately, of course... Well, as he explains all this to Barusa, because, Mm. of course, Barusa's going, what, you didn't trust me? You didn't think you could tell me? It's it's not the point. The point is that you Time Lords are... Are so stuck in your ways. You've yeah. got no imagination, no exactly. sense of humour. You, you know, you're just you, you you're, you're as transparent as glass. Yeah, you can't fill your mind with rubbish. Yeah, and, and he, he, pro- instantly he proves it to Bruce. Yeah, um, and Bruce is like, "You're right, actually. Yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't stand." Bruce a suddenly goes, "Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely." Oh, the the student teaches the uh, yeah, the, the master, the you know, <laughs> um, uh, and 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 it's oh, just a little bit. But no, yeah. it's a, it's a it's a nice point, well it made. Is. It is. And and so now we know Barusa is on side because he understands what's going yes. on. And he expl- and this also explains why he wants Leela out of the Citadel because Leela, mm. being the savage, has even less mental defences against uh, violent yeah. telepathy, which is why he says it's it's essential we get get her out of here. Mm. Um, so of course, he doesn't tell her that because of course he can't tell anybody can't the tell plan that, because, because yeah. the Vardens will know about it. Immediately, exactly, so which is why he which it starts to explain all his erratic and, and nonsensical behaviour, and why K nine is the only one he's talked about because presumably the Vardens can't read his memory. Well, because he's not, yeah, exactly. He's, he's, he's a machine. But anyway, so the search is still on for Leela, but Leela has convinced Rodan that the best thing to do is if to they're being invaded, we've got to go out, out and get out. Exactly, get out so outside. So Ro- are you yeah. mad? So Ro- pissing down. Yeah. <laughs> so Rodan and Leela are trying to get their way through the citadel. They come across Andred who they convince again they convince to let them go well he's not happy because he's, he's happy noticed that Kellner has taken the opportunity of this invasion to settle some old scores exactly lock up he's people he doesn't like, like. state type uh, yeah absolutely um, and as, as he and Kellner have never seen eye to eye you know he was never going to go along with that so but Andrew is it, it, we discover is forming his own little resistance yes. group um, so, he, so he, he lets Rodan and Leela go, go outside while he's going to stay and, and try and balance Kellner's, um, mm. Kellner's but after Leela's out of here Choices and deal with the president. Yes, because he considers the president to be. Yeah, he so doesn't realise. You know, Leela's like, no, 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 no. The doctor's up to something. He's definitely got a plan. If he wanted me outside, mm. there is a reason. Yes. I love actually the fact that Leela's faith in the doctor has not been destroyed, given the way he's treated yes. her. And actually, there's a really good scene with between her and Rodan, which well, again it's, it's just almost, proves almost how great shouting, Louise Jameson is. About how yeah. the doctor's got a plan, and, yeah. and you know, another great scene yeah. for Leela. But again, it's something that because we don't get another breaking of faith with the doctor. To story until Curse of Fenric. No, we don't. And interestingly, in that one, he succeeds yes. in breaking her faith, but he's deliberately trying to. Yes. Whereas in this one, he's not trying no. to. But but it's interesting. We won't get another no. sort of test of the companion and the Doctor. Mm. 
again after this for quite a few years. At this point, we discovered that Kellner, being his obsequious, slimy, oily, toady self... <laughs> I love him. ...is being too cooperative with the Vardens, and... Kellner is... <laughs> Kellner's already realised that... Um, if anything happens to the president, he's next, he's in, next line. in line. And he doesn't particularly fancy, given everything that's been going, he doesn't particularly fancy having a large target painted yeah, on his yeah. face. He'd rather wait for things to calm down and then maybe sort of inveigle his way into the presidency. Mm. So he's quite happy for the doctor mm. to say president for the moment. Yep. So he's being, again, beautifully obsequious and helpful. He, anything you would like, he, Master. Yeah, but he, he also, he, he posts a guard... Uh, on the Doctor to be the Doctor's personal guard uh, to answer only to Kellner so not to Andred or mm. anybody only to Kellner you go everywhere the Doctor goes you report to me everything he says and does Yeah. so it's kind of like he's working against the Doctor yeah, absolutely. straight away but, um, um, but obviously to his face he's kind of being oh, as obsequious as possible absolutely. and certainly in front of the Vardens as well yes. because he's, he's still clearly trying to balance out absolutely where the power really lies mm. um, they all meet with the Vardens the Doctor, Kellner and Bruce they all meet with the Vardens and the Doctor and Barusa have clearly decided to come up with a plan well um, clearly Barusa can't suddenly just turn around and no. go oh I agree you've persuaded exactly. me so he, so he, he carries start, on he, being he, a bit being his objection with and the Vardens actually uh, cause him some injury yeah. and he's, he's obviously been they've obviously discussed this and, and it's like he's willing to, ha- to let it happen mm. to keep things up and the Doctor then obviously for show has Barusa confined to well the Vardens want to kill him and he says no 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 no, no. he could be, be useful, useful to us all these people could be useful yeah. to us in the future so yeah. rather than kill them mm. we'll put Barusa under house arrest yeah. anyone else that the Castellan well he then makes a show in yeah. front of the Vardens of saying to Kellner right I want you to provide all me a list of, of, of all the timelines who you think will be on our side. Yeah. And Kellner says, oh, and any troublemakers too? Yeah. Oh, perfect, Castellan. And, and have them expelled yeah. for in, outside. Rather well, than again, out. the Vardens say, well, we should remove them, kill them. And then he says, well, no, 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 we'll expel them into well, the city. Yeah. The and and of, even the threat ca- of expulsion will make some of them choose to join us. Yeah, well, Kellner suggests yeah. this as yeah. well. And I'm actually, it, it, it's a conniving way of the Doctor to not have to have kill, anybody kill killed. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time... Look as look though like to the Vardens actually, yeah. that he's actually, you know, doing yeah. something yeah. good. Because and because Kellner's backing him up unwittingly... Yeah. Oh, um, they won't be able to survive out there for long. Exactly. So, you know, the threat of that will meet, bring them on our side sort of thing. Mm. So Kellner starts his interviews. And at least one Time Lord... Uh, is it the, 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 the Surgeon the, the General? The Surgeon from uh, earlier, yeah, yeah. General, as they call him. He gets expelled because he says, oh, yeah. sorry, if I had a gun now, I'd have shoot, shoot you. Yeah. you know? <laughs> so um, he says... Um, so Andred is forced to throw him out, yes. but Andred tells him on the way there that, don't worry, we've got a resistance team going, we're going to deal with it. It's but like, I do have to chuck you out yes. because if I don't, They'll Kellner suspicious. and everyone will get suspicious. And he says, oh, he's on his 10th regeneration. Yeah. He goes, oh, I understand. But, but he says, should be some help Leela and Rodan are out there already, yes. so you are not on your own. No. And there may well be an opportunity to mm. get you back in later. And they are out there because Leela and Rodan have made it outside and they've met up with the Shabogans. Not that they've been called that yet. No, they haven't been called that yet, but um. they've, been, they've been caught by a group of primitives a tribe yeah. of primitives with spears perfect yeah. for Lee. Leela's in her element Absolutely. she's so, yeah, loving she it quickly throws the leader over her shoulder and shows that she's a better fighter than a warrior than him yeah. and um, they basically point out that they were time lords mm. who got fed up with the um, well you got fed up with all the peace and love hippie shit and so they, <laughs> they decided to go back to nature and um, they left yeah um, so they weren't completely fed up with the peace and love no, hippie exactly. shit <laughs> and they've gone back uh, to nature and they haven't completely gone back to nature because <laughs> they're all wear- fully clothed in <laughs> and everything you know yeah well you know it's a kids um, program 
and Rodan is like, well, we've heard rumours, but we never knew anything about it because she's never left the city in mm. her life. Yeah, Rodan's and, struggling actually with outdoors. Mm. It's all a bit of um, yeah, bit of a surprise because again, she's a young woman. Yes, um, but clearly has been brought up. In a particular way, yeah. she's been highly educated. Absolutely, she knows nothing of the world other than the life she's experienced yes. inside the capital. Exactly, but so they've explained to these people what's going on, alien invasion, and they're like, "What? Well, don't be ridiculous. Nothing can, you know." Do that. But and Leela's like, "She's the modern equivalent of Vicky. She's a rabble yes. rouser. She Come is. on, war, war. Let's fight. Come on, yes, war. What is it good for? Everything." <laughs> um, anyway, no, she she has effectively convinced them to fight. Yes. And 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 she it's almost as if she's planning an attack on the citadel. So obviously when these other time lords are going to be thrown out, at least Leela and Rodan are going to be there to help them survive kind of thing. Yeah. Back in the cap- in the, in the citadel, the doctor keeps saying to the Vardens, "Come on, a bit more trust. You can tur- you can yeah. you can solidify yourselves. Make me see what you really I mean, look I, like. I don't like the Baco 4 look. No. It's not good for you. Absolutely. Let's see what do you really like. And they're like, "Not yet, not yet." And um, we'd rather you put up with our really bloody stupid voices. Exactly. A bit longer exactly however doctors made it back to the tardis as has k9 and their k9's plugged into the console getting some data or whatever and andrid's arrived outside he's with got a few guards with a few guards he's got a key well these basically the guards he's turned up with these are these, these are, are the revolutionaries side, basically um, uh, andrid's got a key to the tardis and he gets in and the doctor turns up ah oh, andrid i've got something for you but andrid pulls a gun on him and says something like in the name of freedom in gallifrey or something i'm going to use a traitor. death traitor and that's where End we leave episode it three. the first half. Yes. Yeah. I think it's important to mention neither of us were particularly looking forward to this. No. Underworld really sapped our uh, will to live. It did. And both of us... Well, Mike's seen this more recently than I have. I haven't watched Invasion of Time in, must be something like 15 years. Well, I haven't watched it since the DVD came out. I haven't even watched it then. I bought the DVD. I watched the extras. Mm. And I remember watching the extras and thinking, oh, God. And I never yeah, even the watched the story. Are dreadful. But, well, yeah, but I just remember looking at them thinking, oh, yeah, this was all a bit crap, mm. wasn't it? I think the last time I watched it was probably when the VHS release came out. Probably. So probably. it might even be more than 15 years ago. <laughs> um, in fact, no, it definitely will be because mm. the DVDs were coming out in the t- uh, since early 2000. Mm. So. Uh, yeah, it would have been even... So I've watched it since the 90s. That's how long ago it's been since I watched Invasion of Time. Right. And I'll be honest with you, my my race memory <laughs> is, is of, this is not good, this is not good, do not watch it. Uh, but I have to say, I've actually really enjoyed episodes one, two, and three. I wouldn't say I've really enjoyed them. Um, <laughs> no, were, you haven't, have you? The biggest problem I had was with episode one. The first half of episode one I thought was not good at all. Um, I really wasn't Why enjoying not? it. Why not? It feels... Partly it felt rushed, almost, to me. We mm. we start straight away with the Doctor on this ship talking to these people we can't see. Mm. Um, so we're effectively... All we can see is these three... Men rocks, Three men here's, And we hear a rather boring voice talking oh, to the, the Doctor. The voices of the Vardens are not um, good, are they? They've not even bothered to treat them to make them even sound alien. They just sound like a couple of... Just normal, normal people. Or, just, it's, you know, just, it's all a bit. It, yeah. it, is, it is a bit. bit Considering weak. the effort that's been put into some of the other sound yeah, design, yeah. the fact the Vardens have just got very ordinary voices like a bloke down the pub yeah. is, is actually really underwhelming. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't give them any level of threat that's, at all. That's, that's true. I mean, and then we've got with the TARDIS being all dark and tiny and Leela and K9 being weird, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's. And the Doctor's behaving strangely. In not Not just strangely. Because when we get to Gallifrey and he just suddenly starts shouting, screaming, screaming at people. And I'll be honest, I don't think he does that very well. 
Um, I'm with you, actually. I don't, I don't I think don't, he does it well at all. When he starts doing his shouting, I'm like, it doesn't really feel to me... It, it's, it, I, don't, I just don't think he does it well at all, and it, it just doesn't feel right. Maybe it's something like the whole Tennant and McCoy. Simmering Rage would have worked better. Mm. Um, quiet and threatening. Um, quiet and threatening would have worked better for Tom Baker than trying to shout and be a screaming maniac. Mm. Um, but to me, that helps to make the Doctor seem like a complete. You know what the hell? You know mm. what, what? What the hell's this about? Um, Gallifrey itself, I think, is realised well visually. I think the guy playing Barus is good. John Arnott. John Arnott. Um, I th- I do think it would have been better if it had been the the Barusa we Angus McKay. Um, yeah. The Castellan is obviously not the same. Per- it's not Spandrel. It's, no, it's, it's so, so obviously. Yes. What happened to Spandrel? So they? obviously we don't need the same actor because it's no. a different character. Andred, I think, is good. Um, I think he's, he he starts off well and he's good. I just I just think it's not until the conversation in episode one between the Doctor and Barusa about the lead when Barusa seems to think you, it, I think it's clear that Barusa is he's thinking at this point hmm something more is going on than the Doctor just turning up and being an ass. and to me that is where episode one changes and actually becomes a bit more interesting and a bit more seems a bit more coherent mm. to me I don't like in episode one I know, I know we briefly discussed it we keep cutting back to the men hers going, ah, yeah. we're there now. But it's like, we instantly cut to them, and then like two seconds later we've cut back. And it's like, cut to them, ah, we're there, cut back. And it, it just seems very quick and like, well, what was that? You know, mm. I, I just, it, it, it all seems, episode one seems a bit rushed and a bit sort of haphazard to me. Mm, interesting. Episodes I, two I, and I three can... I think are much better. Yeah, well, we're still just staying on to episode one because I want to follow up on this. Mm. It's interesting you should say that because... I'm not sure I agree with you totally. Um, there are bits I see. I, I think it started. We hit the ground running quite quickly, mm. but I think in some respects the, you had to. I can't see because we start with the Doctor in the middle of this sort of contract signing. I don't think it would have worked if we'd had any build up to that. Because oh, no, no. if you think too hard about it, I was like, how on earth did he get roped into mm. this? Do they not know of the Doctor at this point? I mean, you know, it's mm. kind of like, do they not know that the chances of him really? betraying Gallifrey. Surely the master would have turned mm. up first to do that sort of deal. Yeah, it all, I think if you look too hard into all that bit, it, it, it probably oh, crumble a bit. Uh, so yeah, the fact that we just that. get to that point is good. And I think also realistically, what we want to do, we want to get onto Gallifrey as quick as possible. Yes. So that didn't bother me so much. I totally agree with you that the Doctor's shouty behaviour doesn't work. It doesn't work. It, do, it, it um, doesn't work. I have no real problem with the ambiguity of what the Doctor's up to. I suppose the problem is is that the whole conceit around it is the Doctor is betraying Gallifrey, which, of course, we is know, rubbish. We it would never happen. Not it's not going to happen. And Although I, I quite like those scenes in the TARDIS at the beginning where Leela's all confused, I don't know what's going on. That's all a bit odd until the scene where the doctor tells her to be quiet and then canine pulls the gun on her. And all of a sudden, that's a really unsettling moment because from Leela's position, all of a sudden, the doctor's acting weirdly, doesn't seem to trust her and doesn't want to talk to her. And canine, who's her other friend, is actually threatening to shoot her, which Hmm. would leave her in a position, if it was me, I'd be really quite worried. I'm like, hang on a minute, what's going on here? I mean, is my life in danger? And the fact that she still retains faith in the Doctor is really good, considering I would say that's a really uncomfortable situation Hmm. to be in. I mean, you know, when you're 
only friends, your best friends, your only friends, suddenly seem to be turning on you. Quite an unnerving experience. And I quite like all that. I think that works rather well. Um, again, like you say, the TARDIS, I don't know, you know, they clearly just decided to throw yeah. it together in a couple yeah. of minutes because oh, yeah. it's, it's really pokey. Yeah. Um, I quite like the Doctor's conflicts with Barusa until it gets all shouty. Yeah, yeah. Because the Doctor is clearly, as we then later discover, mm. he's all bluster and noise because it's keeping his brain clear mm. and not allowing the Vardens to infiltrate any deeper because mm. he's making such a big fuss and performance. It's kind of clouding anything yeah. that that, that I, might be getting in the way. I, I, quite do, lo- I do think it's important that, as we see, once he's able to talk freely to Barusa, I do think it's good that he does apologise for the way yes. he treated him. Yeah. Because, you know... That's the first if, if thing they, he does, If they actually, hadn't done yeah. that, then it would have made it even worse, I think. Yeah. No, but he does apologise straight away, which yeah. is good. The Doctor's laugh at the end of uh, episode two when the Vardas... Mm. I'm not quite sure. I, I think un- I, it's a bit non-committal, because on the one hand, either don't laugh and just look sinister, mm. or make it an evil laugh. Mm. Because it's just a weird... Like, it's almost like Tom Baker's just laughing at the sheer absurdity of it all. Well, um, and I, it, it, yeah. it, it loses... Oddly enough, I would have preferred not to have ended on that scene. I actually was hoping it would end when Rodan's going Gallifrey is being yeah. invaded yeah. because that has built up yeah. it's, the tension has actually built rather well to yes. that point yes. and then when she delivers that line I was waiting for the crashing of the music mm. but then it cuts to the Doctor introducing the Vardas and oddly enough it's a slightly anticlimactic thing well it is because when you suddenly it, not when like you're then presented with, with the, the shimmering, shimmering tinfoil it doesn't on, really yeah, work yeah. And, the doc- and, and also I tend to think well the people that are there with the Doctor when the Vardans turn up and he's doing this strange, mad, evil laugh type mm. thing. I'm kind of like, he's obviously pretending. Why bother pretending with that mad, evil laugh? Because the only people that are going to see you are going to think you're a, you've just invaded yeah. the invasion. I don't see why he would need to do that. You yeah, know, he may as well just look sinister rather than mm. just look. Mo- you know, yeah, true. It, it just seems a pointless thing for him to do. And like you said, it doesn't really work as the cliffhanger. It would have worked. Yeah, better. I just think Rodan going. You know, Gallifrey's being, being invaded, invaded because everything that's built up yes. to that point is just screaming at you. Cliffhanger's coming. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> We've talked about a lot of the other stuff already that uh, that I wanted to talk about these two episodes. The one thing I do want to bring up was well, a couple of things. Firstly. The music's okay. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really like the music the used. Ceremonial the ceremonial music. I prefer the ceremonial music that Dudley used in Deadly Assassin. Yes. Yes. Uh, had a look, bit more pomp and mm. uh, ceremony to it. This one yeah. just sounds a bit too jaunty. Yeah, yeah. The other thing, I mean, and we have discussed him already earlier before we got onto the story itself, but... Oh my god, K9 is so noisy. Oh, that we have quite <laughs> quite a long scene in the TARDIS between the Doctor and K9 and Tom Baker is clearly having to raise his voice <laughs> just to be heard above K9. It's it's a it's not it's really a, bad. It's a long scene and it's like <laughs> throughout the whole thing it's terrible. It's really it awful. It's really terrible. And no you can you can see it. Yeah, exactly. You can see where they're going. This is so bad. But I can imagine the director going, "Well, someone yeah. turn the blood <laughs> thing yeah. off I mean, for god's the, sake the, the thing is though the problem is given what they, how they've done the story K9 is the only one the Doctor can talk to about yeah. this which means you've got to have the scene the yeah. dialogue scene but they must have looked at it and thought oh god how can we ri- we can't write anything This we have to write this yeah. we have to have this happen <laughs> and it's just the fact that you know the it's, motor is just yeah. unbelievably loud I mean terribly loud you know it, it's, oh 
I mean, and I know we've mentioned it before, but the problem is, I find, is that it's a really big problem. Mm. It's intrusive it to is. the story. It is. And as Mike says, I mean, it's clear that Tom Baker's having to raise his voice to a level. He clearly wants to perform it slightly more yeah, dramatically, normal, sli- yeah. but he can't because if He's he does, normal, yeah. he won't be heard. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> it's shocking. It is, it so is thank God they're going to redesign him. Although it'll be interesting. I'll be paying very close attention uh, during the key to time sequence to see how noisy K9 yeah, is, yeah, yeah. how much they were able to reduce it or how, not. How often when K9 is moving, we have background music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all that sort because, of stuff. Because there was quite a lot of that in things like the Sunbakers and Underworld. Yeah. But um, yeah. But there we go. So yeah. we'll see. So, so, so far, so, I have so to so say... What do we think of our initial, uh, our initial shots of... The waste, the will, Gallifrey and oh, we haven't talked the sh- about that. We all right to be honest. I, I mean, right, uh, actually, yeah. you know, I mean, it's a it's a quarry in Surrey. Well, can you say? Mm. But I mean, but they've given it a sort of an orange tint yes. to the to the an orange filter to the camera, uh, which is fine. Yep. I think it works really well. Um, I think. I mean, I'm going to call them Shabogans because yes, I'm pretty we, certain we that's what they're, that's they're, what they're called. Later. I think they're fine so I far. Like I mean, the, I, like I was the fact quite. That they turn out to have been time lords who have chosen to do that rather than just savages. Well, I was just. Th- that's exactly what I was just about to say. Is the fact that that makes a difference because. We've had a few sort they're of savage tribey yeah, yeah. things, and, 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 and they're not thick and idiotic. And at the same time, though, they can appreciate Leela for what yes, she is. Yes. So I kind of I like that twist on it because you're kind of the implication is they're going to be primitive savages, and you're mm. expecting more like the Sever team and thinking, oh, here we go. But actually, they're not at all, and I like that. I actually quite like Rodan. I mean, yes. one of the things that Mike mentioned be, uh, before we came to record this was that had Graham Williams actually taken, accepted t- Louise, Louise Jameson's resignation, <laughs> <laughs> um, then it would have been actually nice if Romana yeah. had been Rodan's character. Yes. As in, Mary rather Tam than Rodan, Mary Romana Tam came in and was playing Romana instead of Rodan. Instead of Rodan because... She's got Rodan is a, a class quality. Yeah, Rodan her. is a prototype Romana, clearly. Yeah. She's got a bit of the snootiness. Yeah. She's clearly highly intelligent. Yes. Now, if they just inserted Romana's character and Mary yes. Tam into that... Because she's got no experience of anything other than Citadel Gallifrey and Time Lord Exactly. Life. And then she could have gone with the Doctor at, at the, the end, end of the story yeah. and been perfectly in place yes. for the key to time. Yes. As opposed to what they have to they suddenly... Oh, by the way, rather the unbelievably suddenly got the Time Lords to, to drop yeah, off. Yeah, which no. it doesn't particularly <laughs> sit very well. But it would have added an extra dimension to this story because... Yeah. And I think to Romana as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it would have been very interesting mm. to see how that could have worked because um, it's just... Yeah, well, I, mean, I mean... So far, I think Rodan's good. Rodan's yeah, I like Rodan, well. actually, so far. I mean, it'll be. Int- I don't know what. Ha- I can't remember what happens to her next. I, I don't. So, I um, it'll be interesting to see how she develops because, to be honest, she's coped quite well with Leela as her support mechanism. Mm. But the moment the Shabogans point out to her that she is completely those, out those, of her those, depth, those smarties aren't going to last long, love. Well, they do. They point out to her, you, you are totally out of your depth. You mm. have done, you've come out here without any real concept yeah. of what is going to happen and yeah. she crumbles have you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you ever eaten flesh do you know what you're going to be able to catch and kill yourself yeah, do you know thing, where, where you know? are you going to shelter um, yeah. and Rodan's like oh, I hadn't thought about any of that and literally just sort of goes to pieces yes. uh, which is fair enough because yeah. it's what you'd expect mm. she's only a young woman mm. in, in you know in a lot of respect, who, who knows no different than yeah. 
what she's used to. So it'll be interesting to see how she develops because so far I quite like her. Mm. And she and Leela actually seem to have quite a nice little rapport, which is no. good. And I'm liking to see that Leela hasn't actually lost any of her strength or anything in no, this. No, she's no. really good. No. I mean, I have to say, these first three episodes I've enjoyed far more than all of Underworld. Oh, yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. So far, I mean, I think it got off to quite a shaky start. But it has improved. Mm. Um, well, I'm enjoying much it. Much more and, than I thought I, I And I didn't think I would it. be. Yeah, I didn't think I would be. I mean, again, it's all going to change within the next when, three episodes. Exactly, when the, the um, and change. certainly, you know, I mean, what I'm finding interesting so far is that the whole political intrigue story here is working quite well on its yes. own. And yes. I don't need Sontarans. No. And it'll be interesting to see because, of course, they'll come in just for sort of like the final two episodes. Yeah. And I don't know, there's part of me sitting there thinking, don't really need them. No. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops, because I literally can't remember how this plays out. I mean, I remember bits and pieces, but mm. as how as to the, the whole sort of story progressing, as is, I, I don't really remember. No. It's been far too long, and I've had no inkling, no, no desire to find out. So, so yeah, I'm quite interested, actually, to see what happens next. I've enjoyed these three episodes. There's no getting away from it. I didn't think I would, and I really have. So I really hope episodes four five and six don't sort of bring it crashing down Mm. because so far i've been pleasantly surprised we shall see do you know these things santaran troopers i am commander store of the santaran special space service yes 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 isn't that carrying alliteration a little far you are not like the vardens vardens they were expendable They had served their purpose to open up the force field and let us in. Who is Doctor? Are you Doctor? No. No, I'm just uh, Lord President of the Supreme Council of Time Lords on Gallifrey. A description fits that of one called Doctor. Well, that's not my fault. I'm Lord President and I'm called Sir. Sir? Yes, Sir. I call no one Sir except my battalion leader. Well, that was episodes four, five, and six we just watched. So, mm. where we left off, Andrew's pointing a gun at the doctor. Where we left off, it was all looking rather promising. It was. It was. <laughs> well, well, I, it was looking better. It wasn't looking as bad as I, as I expected. I thought it was looking rather promising. So, Andrew is holding the doctor at gunpoint, about to kill him for being a traitor. Um, K9 stuns him. Um, and then when he wakes up, the doctor starts. <laughs> when he wakes up, he's like, "Oh my nuts!" Oh my nuts! Because there's a lot more of that again. Exactly. The doctor explains what's going on to Andred. Basically, says that while they're in the TARDIS, don't kill me. I'm not a traitor. Yeah, don't kill me. I'm not a traitor. I've locked the TARDIS off, which is why Leela couldn't use the scanner at the beginning. He's locked yeah. it off so that no, no transmissions of any kind can be made from the TARDIS so there's nothing for the Vardens to get in so they, they can't read his thoughts while he's in there so Andrew is safe in, as long as he's inside the TARDIS and the Doctor is hoping to persuade them to reveal their 
true form rather than just these um yeah because at the moment they're sort of non-corporeal, non-corporeal aren't they? coat hanger silver coat hanger things um and so once they can once they manifest themselves properly he can work out who they are where they're from and then where their planet is and stick, and, it, in and stick it in a time loop um, but obviously until he can do that he's just got to keep playing along while he's in the TARDIS with Andrew Leela is busy organising the um, other they're never doors. called Shibogans they're never called Shibogans I wonder where that came from it must be written it must have been in the novelisation or something yeah because um, they're so never actually referred to as Shibogans yeah, no they aren't Terence Dix must have done it in I'm the book tr- do you know what? I'm going to um, have to look it up somewhere and find out where they're called Shibogans because yeah. was it well, actually was it in Deadly Assassin maybe it might have been I don't know it's oh, just, it might have been in Deadly Assassin yeah I'm but, just having um, to think about it now but while, while she's outside um, with Rodan and some of the uh, Time Lords that have been expelled and they've made some bows and arrows and they're all learning how to use them and um, Leela and the leader of the tribe have decided that yeah, he never gets a name no but they've decided that all these time lords are bloody useless and um <laughs> it'll just have to be them and her that um start the fight for Gallifrey although he's not convinced that that's going to work but um they march off um Leela Rodan and the and the tribe uh, or some of them anyway march mm. off towards the citadel while they decide that there's not enough of them to actually retake the citadel she decides well we'll, we'll just rescue the doctor first because he'll have a plan while they're marching towards the citadel Kellner is busy toadying up to the coat hangers and um, he tells them that he doesn't trust the doctor and they say well that's alright because neither do we <laughs> and <laughs> exactly. um, we, we wondered how long it would be before you thought he was up to something and we've so been suspicious for bloody ages absolutely so they're kind of now working with Kellner and they've said right well you get rid of him and you can be in charge mate mm. um, so the doctor does um, he leaves the TARDIS because Kellner has sent um, guards to the TARDIS to eliminate Andred's guards, because he, he's, he's aware that Andred is now working against him. So they, they kill all of Andred's people outside the TARDIS. The Doctor goes out, sends them all away to find Andred, and then he goes back into the TARDIS to talk to Andred, and said, right, your, your revolution has failed, matey. And then he fixes Andred's helmet so that it can block out the Varden's um, telepathic abilities with a bit of concentration from Andred. The Doctor then leaves the TARDIS. He then goes to the um, Varden's and agrees to dismantle the final force field that protects Gallifrey from attack. He has a sonic device he he used to dismantle the energy barrier. Absolutely. So he goes down to the area that K-9 blasted to bits with one of the um, tinfoil invaders. Tinfoil terrors. He does some work on it. He doesn't fully disable it because he says that's impossible, but he does put a hole in it which will let other invaders come through. Yeah. Um, so the Vardens now have the ability to manifest themselves fully, and they become corporeal. And we kind of wish they hadn't. Um, <laughs> because they're rather dull. Oh, come on. Could they be any less impressive than tinfoil on a coat hanger? Yes, yes they, could. they could. Yes, and they, they actually are. could. <laughs> you know, incredibly dull Outfits. It's astonishing. Incredible. To be honest with you, rather dull performances. Ugh. The guy, the guy with the really ordinary voice for a villain, plays the lead of the Vardens when they turn up, and he's not great. Mm. Um, they are all a bit. They're, they're all rather short, and they're a bit dull and drab and just boring. Really, it's yeah. like, oh, oh, is that is that it? Uh, <laughs> it is just <laughs> these yeah. the great invaders. To be honest. 
But, obviously, having manifested themselves, the Doctor now knows um, who they are. Their manifestation enables K-9 to work out who they are, where their home planet is, and provides the Doctor with the information he needs to put them in a time loop. Yeah. While they're um, trying to prove their authority, Leela and Rodan and the others have managed to get into the Citadel. And they're um, tramping around the place trying to find... Uh, they find a TARDIS, but... Tramping around the place. They find the TARDIS, but Doctor's not there, so they decide they'll go for the President's office. At the same time, K-9 and Andred, it is now time for them to leave the TARDIS, and they're going to make their way to the President's office. Mm. Everybody's heading Everybody to the makes their way. The do- and, uh, Andred and K-9 get there first. Then the Doctor gets there. Yep. And then Leela and Leela the others and the others get there and kill a couple of the guards, chancery guards that are outside, yeah. and they all manage to get into the doctor, the president's office. Yeah. At which point they realise, oh, we're all on the same side. Yes. And it's at this point that the doctor basically puts the sash, the rod, and the matrix um, crown onto K9, and he, yeah, and he uses the matrix and all of that to put the. Vardens in a time loop and they disappear and that's them done yeah and lots um, of cheering and ha ha we're well, safe woohoo well, Kel- Kellner is with them when they disappear in the panopticon and then he's just sort of left there standing around going uh what's happened then the doctor turns up with all the others and it's kind of like ha Kellner you thought you could get rid of us you're you're really bad at security you're rubbish we don't like you clear mm. all this mess up and then while he's giving a, congr- a self congratulatory speech to all the others around him in the panopticon Dun, dun, dun. It's, it's, it's like you go, Sorry, it should be wow, wow, they, wow. They all, they, all go, they all go quiet and start looking behind him, and he's like, what? What's going on? Then he turns... Oh, what, someone doing yeah. rabbit ears uh, behind my head? Honestly. You guys. Exactly. Then he turns around, and... Um, well, that's the only thing Sontarans can do because of the number of fingers they've got. <laughs> he, he turns around, and there's about three or four Sontarans yeah. And he says, you're him. photobombing my shot. This exactly. is outrageous. Exactly. You know... <laughs> and um, yes, the Sontarans have arrived through the hole in the force field, yeah. and, and it turns out that was the plan all along. Wah ha ha! Exactly, they were behind the Vardens, um, literally right behind yeah. them. Absolutely, hiding, hiding behind the coat hangers. Yes, and um, they have now invaded Gallifrey. We've come and to invade your space, or oh, we've come to invade your space. Absolutely, and true to form, Kellner then starts to be obsequious to them. Well, yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, well. If one if one despotic alien invader happens to get replaced by another, does Which it really matter absolutely. if you toady up to them as of well? I mean, not. you know, absolutely. Why break the habit of a lifetime? Now, Commander Store, he says, "Which of you is the Doctor? Is he very good? Is he super? He could super be a superstore." Super <laughs> and, and it was on a Saturday, so it'd be a Saturday superstore. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, so, for those I, of you who don't live in this well, country, they probably will pass you by. But <laughs> I, I, I don't think he is super. But there we go. Anyway, oh. Commander Store is saying he, he he wants the Doctor, and which of you is the Doctor? And the Doctor tell, uh, puts his finger to his lips to say, "Don't let on." And he makes. I'm amazed Kellner never gives him away. I, I am amazed. I'm well. amazed Kellner doesn't go. It's he him because <laughs> yeah, the Doctor says, "No, no, I'm I'm the President. I'm oh, no, I'm not the Doctor. I'm, I'm the President, and and I'm supposed to be called Sir." Um, it's a good line. It's a good it's line. A good line. He, he, he makes out that he's not the doctor, and, and um, Store goes, "Oh, your description matches it." And he goes, "Well, well that's not, not my, my fault." fault. <laughs> um, and so it's like, right, let's all go off, and we'll find the doctor. While all this is happening, and the doctor is getting them to explain certain things, Barusa, still under house arrest in his office, has got a. a, a a, a listening device and he can hear everything that's being said mm. so um, the doctor is effectively giving clues if you like 
Barusa uses the secret passage in his office to go to the president's office. And then when the doctor and Leela and Andred and the others from outside all... They make an escape because Barusa turns on a device. He turns on the ceremonial chimes, but just at a volume that's about 50,000 times louder than it should be. It hurts the Sontarans and the others all make their escape, except for Kelner. And the others all make their escape. Yes, except for Kellner. Who stays with them. Who decides to stay with them. That's a kind of a curious life decision, isn't it? It is, it is. But the others all make their escape back to the the president's office, where they find Barusa standing there with a gun on them. Mm. And um, the gun is apparently for the ones from outside. aliens. For the ones from outside. Aliens, I must exterminate. Quite. And the doctor basically says, no, 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 they're, they're fine. They're all fine with me. And I like, vouch for them. And so I vouch for them. So he, Bruce puts the gun down. And um, Kellner has obviously decided to tell the Sontarans where the president's office is. Mm-hmm. And so they decide, right, we'll go through the secret passage back to Bruce's office. Mm. While the Sontarans are busy trying to punch their way through the <laughs> lead-lined doors. And when they realise that doesn't work, they go off to get... Uh, most of them go off to, to get, get a, a big gun or, or whatever it is. And it just leaves Kellner and Store there. Mm. But as they've all gone through the secret passage, the Doctor let, opens the door, nips through the secret passage, and they, when the Sontarans break in, there's nobody there. Back in Barusa's office, he's, uh, the Doctor sends everyone except himself and Barusa back to the TARDIS with Leela and a very noisy canine. Oh, and, um, dear, oh dear. While they're all running off to the TARDIS, they get seen by Sontarans and they're chased by Sontarans and most of the tribe's people that are with Leela and Andred are mown down by them and, and slaughtered. And um, Leela, Andred and K9 and Rodan make it to the TARDIS. Well, she had to take two or three of them with her. Because exactly. otherwise, who else is going to get else killed? Who else killed? Exactly. <laughs> um, so... Uh, <laughs> that's true. Exactly. You've got to type the loose end somehow. And that's Absolutely. the easy way. The Doctor and Barusa are having a conversation because the Doctor believes that Barusa knows where the Great Key of Rassilon is. Since Rassilon, no president has ever found it. And it is one of the duties of the president to try and find it. And the Doctor be- thinks that Barusa knows where it is. And he, man- he he does eventually get hold of it. Barusa tries to give him a fake one. but a good scene, It is a good scene, but he, do- he does get hold of the real great key of Rassilon. With the key and the sash and the rod, you are apparently able to take possession of the greatest power in the universe. Yes. So, the two of them then decide, right, well, now we've got to get back to the TARDIS. So they start to make their way through the corridors and everything. Um, they get found. Chased a bit by yeah, they Sultanas. They get chased a bit, but fortunately, Barusa's got a personal defence shield around his mm. neck. Although the batteries are a bit low. But it, it, it's, it, it's, there's enough in it to help them get to the TARDIS safely. So now they're all in the TARDIS. The Doctor gives the key to Leela at, at Barusa's... Uh, um, Barusa's most concerned by this. And he tells Leela to take Barusa deep into to the, the VIP room the VIP room which is who knows deep in the TARDIS deep in the TARDIS and so she and Barusa go off Andred and lots of the others go into the uh, deep into there as well uh, with them and it's just the Doctor and Rodan in the console room and he asks Rodan to patch his TARDIS into the Gallifrey's defence sort of network um, yeah. so that he, he is powering the, fort, yeah. the force field and, and controlling it and can close the g- hole he made yes so that no more Sontarans can get through so she's working on this while she's working on that Storr and Kellner have gone down to all the stuff that K9 blasted and uh, so that Kellner can try and repair something so that they can control the force field. And they realise that the TARDIS, the Doctor's controlling it from his TARDIS. Kellner does all sorts of a bodge job to Mm. do something and and it's basically, 
he sets something to uh, bypasses something and sets something in motion to attack the TARDIS and the Doctor and Rodan in the console room suddenly find the TARDIS is being attacked by something hurled being towards hurled a black towards a black star. Black star. Black tar. Black star. That'd be sticky. Black, t- black tar. He's just uh, he's been hurled <laughs> towards a tobacconist. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the TARDIS is then put under attack and um, they're The Doctor trouble. gets out of it by flicking on a failsafe but what that does it means it locks the TARDIS into yes. position forever. Yes. For all eternity so that TARDIS, TARDIS cannot be moved. No. Um, until the failsafe is removed. Exactly, so he can't get out. Mm. And you, no one can get in or out of the TARDIS and it can't move until the Doctor turns the failsafe off. Mm. However, Kellner knows another way. Being the, being the Castellan in charge of all security, he knows of other ways to get into TARDISes. Yes. So he tells this to Store, and, and Store takes Kellner and another Sontaran with him, and they break into the TARDIS. At this point, Leela has come back to the console room, and the Doctor, Leela, and Rodan leave the console room and barricade the door from the other side and go deeper into the TARDIS. And then we have most of episode six and then we get to the end of the story. <laughs> um, well, there's not a lot to say in episode six. Otherwise, basically, well, there's well, a basically, lot of running around the inside of the TARDIS. He's taken... K-9 is in the workshop and when the Doctor gets there, most of the others are there as well. He hypnotises Rodan to follow K-9's instructions, gives her the great key, and K-9 basically instructs her to build something. Yeah, and, and while, so that, while, while that's doing they that, basically have to give them a runaround in the TARDIS. Yes, and keep Barusa away from them because Barusa knows about all of these different things. So um, the Sontarans are basically chasing them around the TARDIS. Yes. And then when they finally get back to Rodan and K-9, what they've built is, is something called the DMAT gun. Ba- so basically, the greatest power in the universe is a big gun. Yes. Um, and so he dehypnotizes Rodan, takes the key back, and it turns out the key is what... P- the great key of Rassilon is the power is component. The gun. Yeah. So the Doctor takes the gun, uh, but again, Barusa is like... I could rule the universe with this. Barusa is like, you can't use that. It's... it's, it's, it's Takes us back to the Dark Ages. It's um, unspeakable. It can't speak. Mm. <laughs> and so the Doctor takes the gun. Kellner and the other Sontaran find them. The Sontaran is quickly dispatched. Yeah. And um, Kellner is taken prisoner, effectively, mm-hmm. and tells them that Storr has gone back to the Panopticon. So the Doctor leaves everyone else in the TARDIS, leaves the TARDIS with the gun, goes to the Panopticon West. Commander Storr is standing there on the podium with a big grenade that will destroy Gallifrey and the oncoming Sontaran fleet. And the galaxy. Because uh, if we can't have Gallifrey, nobody can. Yeah, if, if you won't let me play with your ball, then I'm not letting anybody play with it. So the Doctor shoots him with the DMAT gun. Everything goes white. Storr's dead and the Doctor's collapsed on the floor and the gun's gone and the key is there. Mm. We then go back to the TARDIS and everyone else is still cowering in the workshop and they hear big clunky footsteps coming along. Leela's all ready to stab whoever it is in the face. Stab him, stab him! And, um, <laughs> ah, Doctor, have you met stab him? Yes. Um, <laughs> and it turns out to be the Doctor. Who, who has, has completely forgotten all of, of everything. Any, of any of it. Yeah. Barusa takes the sash from him and just says, you save Gallifrey. Mm. And then they all Make some line about it. It's all some guff about the wisdom Rassilon, of Rassilon. Yes. Mike suggests that maybe then what's... He rigged, rigged the DMAT gun, so because it's so all-powerful, whoever uses it is then not unconscious and loses their memory so they can't mm. and the gun itself it. just and sort of is disappears as well um, all part of Rassilon's plan to find, find out who, who wanted, wanted it. Power, power and get him out get of him the away. way <laughs> he knew very well that a DMAT gun was a curse not, not a, a blessing, blessing. 
<laughs> anyway, they all go back to... to yes, exactly. Excuse me, just clearing my throat there. They all go back to the Citadel. Leela decides she's going to stay behind and marry Andrid. Canine, what? Canine decides he's going to stay behind and look after Leela. What? And the Doctor is... Um, oh, okay. Goes into the TARDIS and says he'll miss them um, to himself. Um, and then promptly gets out a box called Canine Mark, Mark II, so he's forgotten already. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And Grins like a loon at the camera, and, and that's, that's the end it. of that. Yes. Well, all I can say is episodes one, two, three, four, and five were largely pretty good. I thought. I thought one, two, and three were excellent. Four was good. Five was good. Six. What a steaming load of old well, man's giblets! I, I, I will say, I thought one was <coughs> okay. Two and three were good. Four was good. Five. I think was okay. Six was what a steaming pile of old man's gibbets. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just it's, it just it just all. Well, I mean, you, if you, you wanted you padding, that's padding, you, and it's a whole episode of it. Well, you said when we wa- when we we're watching it, you can see where Anthony Reid did the first four episodes, yeah, and 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 then Graham Williams took did over. It, it was a cl- there was a clear defining line it was a clear defining line well yeah because four episodes actually had tension well they had a well scripted a a story that went to the end Mm. then the last two episodes a new villain turns up it also goes to show Graham Williams wasn't a writer no he wasn't uh, at the end of the day, I'm sorry, but he's not a writer, he's a producer. And I think you can clearly see in the last two episodes, the quality goes nosedive. It does. It, episode five's all right, but again, not a lot happens, mm. really. No. And episode six is just a load of padding. Yeah. Wandering around a location that so should never have been picked to represent oh. the inside of the TARDIS, because it's awful. It is. Um... I don't know where to start. I mean, okay, well, let's, oh, all right. let's, let's, let's start, let's start with, with the end of the Varden story. All right, at the end of the let's Varden, start with the end story. Of Varden story. I mean, story. Um, um, it's a shame. It sort of just sort of finished, didn't it? It sort of well, stopped the because f- they had to to get the, yeah, exactly. the Sontar I mean, and Cliffhanger. The first problem is that once, you know, once they manifest themselves in a corporeal form, you kind of wish that you you were still having the tin the coat, coat, hangers. coat hangers back. Because at least quite frankly, something they're so well, dull. even Kelness is... They're humans. Yeah. Well, the doctor, in a sort well, of a and the doctor oh. looks at him and says, "Oh no, disappointing, isn't it?" And <laughs> yes. Yes, it, it is, is disappointing. Very disappointing. It's kind it of like really is that is. the best they could do? You know, because they're really dull. I would have preferred it. Actually, I would have thought it would have been much better if the Sassanians came along and killed the Vardens. Either that, or it turned out that the Vardens were the Sontarans. Yeah, um, and that actually they were just. Uh, it's a bit of imagination uh, for the Sontarans, though, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose, but I don't know. Maybe they had a battle computer that thought it up. But, but, but quite frankly, almost anything would have been infinite, infinitely preferable, I think. It was a bit of a disappointing climax to that story. Yeah. Um, because then, the Doctor just goes into the TARDIS, K9 just flicks a switch and they just disappear. Mm. And it's kind of, oh, is that over? Cause, and then, then Leela and the, and the Tries people have broken in to do all this thing, and they don't actually do anything at no. all. To, to, to help the situation to solve anything. They just turn up. Yeah. Because it's all been solved anyway. And the Doctor doesn't even, during the course of this story, set up the time loop or anything. He says, oh, no. well, I'll have to do that later because I'll need to exactly. go back. It's like, so they've not even been properly defeated. No. But then the Sontarans turn up, so they've got a bigger problem. And unfortunately, when the Sontarans turn up, the biggest problem I have with the Sontarans, apart from the fact that the, when Storr takes his helmet off, the makeup's terrible. Oh, but they don't, he doesn't take his helmet off until episode six. No. And then he puts it back on again, and then he takes it off again. Yeah. But I'm afraid... I really don't like Derek Deadman's delivery no. of his lines. <laughs> or he his is accent. very Captain Kirk with his... 
delivery. It's just, it's terrible. That was very good. It's Are you sure it wasn't you under that helmet? Oh, it would have been preferable if it was, but I wasn't actually old enough at that Ooh, point. Get, get an idea of what you think your acting skills are like. <laughs> it would have be been better if it was me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the problem is... The previous Sontarans we've had, okay, yeah, they were all played by Kevin Lindsay, <laughs> but he delivered the lines in a natural way. The Sontaran mm. spoke naturally, like anyone else does. When Derek Dedman did it, it was almost as if... Almost robotic. It was. It, it was as if he was trying to deliver it in a particular I'm way, you know. trying to remember the script. Yeah. Oh, yes! <laughs> I'm supposed to scream Shut, Shut up! up Yeah he does at one point <laughs> That is hilarious I mean People moan about The Sontaras In The Two Doctors They're absolutely Bloody amazing In comparison uh, It's that wonderful moment When Kel just And he just goes He just goes Shut up At the top of his voice As he hurls him Across the room And he's just like Pardon <laughs> I said Shut up <laughs> It's just What <laughs> What is going on He's, you know um, he's not he's I don't he's, not, he's good. not good he's not good at all he's um, not good <laughs> ultimately the idea of the Sontaran uh, is invading Gareth it's fine I don't have a problem with it but it's just I don't I don't think I mean he's the only Sontaran really that has anything to say or do a couple of them have a couple, the odd line but yeah. he's yes, the, sir, o- he's the only one so. they're just there to be they're know. just making up the numbers yeah. to be killed it's basically just him but I just don't think he delivers his lines no. well and he's just not good I think the problem is as well is clearly they felt they needed something to sort of give it some oomph towards the end and Vardens weren't going to cut it. So no, Sontarans they yeah. could use quite easily. And again, as you say, nothing wrong with that idea. But realistically, they're just, there's no real threat there. Not really. But um, particularly because episode five, it's all about trying to break into the president's office. Mm. And when they do, there's nobody there. <laughs> and episode six is about chasing them around, around the TARDIS. The TARDIS. And it's just really limp as and well then, because there's then, there's a really weak joke about them uh, going around in circles. circles and they do it so many times and you're just like, oh, God, and, this and, is and, just and, poor. And then at the end of all that, it's basically, oh, the big suit, the, the big power is a, is a gun and the Doctor shoots shoots. Yes, him. it does feel a and bit, is that, is a bit what limp. All, that that's it? all it is. It's just, it's a big it's gun. It's a big gun. Um, and, oh, you shoot the, shoot the baddie at the end. Is that, that's it? Mm. After all that? You know, yeah, it's a bit it's disappointing. A bit disappointing. And we're never really... Get, I mean, the fact that it's called a demat gun means it sort of either dematerialises you or something. But what does that do there? Just remove you from time from or ever having been? No, no, what it, what it does, it's, it's, the early, it's an early prototype. It, it deposits you on the moon with the Ice Warriors. <laughs> oh, yes, I see, yes. It's the, uh, it's the early version, version of the Yeah, T-Mat was when they got it right. Yes. D-Mat was just is, like... Yeah. Mm. But... <laughs> Yeah, it's just all a bit. Wow, that's it, is it? It's yeah. just a big gun, and that's uh, a bit disappointing. Uh, f- and when that comes right at the end of episode six, which is just the runaround, it's just mm. it's a really so it was a really big disappointment, end. really, because I thought it's been started rather well. I know mm. you have your thing about episode one, but oh, I actually I, thought one, two, and three were pretty good. I mean, I was I got to the end of one, two, and three thinking, yeah, I could well change my opinion now. This is actually rather good. Mm. But yeah, four, five, and six just were a, a steady step decline in quality. Yes. yes. Um, I still think Christopher Tranchel was good as Andrew. I do. I think. Um, I really liked the fact that he ended up at the early in part four. The Doctor basically explains what's going mm. on to Andrew. So the, it's basically the Doctor and Andrew, and he he's he's learning what it is. It's it's like he's been brought into the team. He's not just going to be. 
the captain of the guard who's stu- who's wandering around going, oh, what's going on? You know, yeah. he actually brought into it properly, and I like that because he's good. Yeah, his whole thing with Leela, it was nice that once they realised they were going to have to do that, they it was nice that Louise Jameson and 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 he, and, yeah. and he got their heads together and started to bring in moments of yeah, sort exactly. of moments between the two of them, which is good because it. As much as people yeah. go, it's completely out of character. It's not terrible. I mean, it, it is terrible, but it's not, if it, you know it, what it, I mean. It, it, it's, it's a rubbish idea, but fortunately the two actors managed, managed to, pull managed it to off put just enough about. Into, yeah. the, into it, mainly in the last episode, but mm. they managed to put enough into it to actually give the tiniest amount of credibility to it. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a rubbish Thing and they should mm. never have got to that point. But the fact that that's what we were saddled with, at least they yeah, tried. At least they tried. And, and even if it wasn't down to the production, it was just down to the actors. Yes. Um, everything between Barusa and the Doctor in this story, all the way through, has been oh, brilliant. Been brilliant. I, I, I think he's a good Barusa. Yeah. I do think it would have been nice to have seen Angus McKay, McKay doing yeah. it. But I do think this one is a good Barusa. Mm, and it's a shame they couldn't have got John Arnott back for... Um, Ark of Infinity, Infinity yeah. uh, but there you go. Rodan is Romana. She is Romana. She's, 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 she's good. A version she, of Romana. She's good as well. I'm not sure the actress's name, but she is good. Good in it. I, yeah, I thought Rodan was pretty good. And in some respects, it's a shame she didn't go with him at the end. Yes, I was thinking um, that as well. I, that would, would have been, been interesting to see her develop more. Yeah. Now she's had a taste for sort mm. of getting involved in everything. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing about the Black Star was all a bit sort of sudden and left you going, what, what, what the hell's a Black Star? And, 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 and uh, what? Hello? Yeah. It was just sort of there and then it was gone. It was it's kind of a convenient, yeah. convenient get out of that cliffhanger mm. that they got out of very quickly by flicking a switch. Yes. So that was a bit sort of, uh, it, it all seemed very exciting at the time, but you think about it too hard and it means I'll, nothing. I'll tell you what I did like is before the Vardens turn up in a corporeal form, we, are <laughs> we actually have a scene. They're oh, not, yeah, that was hilarious. They are non-corporeal. They are floaty, thi- floaty things shimmering in the air. <laughs> Mike was incensed the, by we, this. We get a scene with uh, Kellner and, 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 and the leader on. It's sitting in a chair. <laughs> it has no physical presence. How can it... Why is it... What?! <laughs> not, no. How can it? Why is it? What? It's That's just, what you're just saying. It's, just, it's ridiculous. <laughs> when you get overexcited, you start getting higher and higher. I don't believe it. It's ridiculous. It was very funny. Why is it sitting in a chair? Is it cool? Well, it's why? not. That's the whole thing. It can't. I mean, I mean, even if it's pretending, it's what's it doing? It's floating in a crouching yeah, position exactly. to make it look yeah. like it's sitting in a chair. It's, it's what? Anyway. Um, one of the other things, actually, that the more I think about it since we've finished watching that annoys me mm. is how untidily it's all wrapped up at the end yes we never find out what happens to Kellner no we don't find out what happened to the rest of the so, outsiders yeah, where did they go some, somebody's got to fix Gallifrey's defences so yeah. that no one else can suddenly did they sort out the Vardens yep we don't say goodbye to Rodan I know. No. is Rodan in the lineup at the end I didn't notice um, her she might be standing around they all come out of the TARDIS she might be there but mm. she doesn't say anything um, exactly there's no it's all just but sort of... Apparent, there is still a Sontaran fleet approaching Gallifrey and they need to fix the defences. Yeah, so what's happened to that so, as yeah, well? It's kind no, of yeah, it's just they all come out of the TARDIS yeah. and then the Doctor immediately leaves. Yeah. There's no, oh, quick, we've got to sort this out, you know. Yeah, so it's all a bit... Yeah. What the hell? Yeah, I, it, and that just is really unsatisfactory. Yeah. And it's a shame, like I say, because I do think had Anthony Reid finished it off on his own... 
I just get the feeling we would have had a slightly more coherent. Yeah, yeah. he would have at least attempted to wrap things up a bit yes, more. I think. I just get the impression Williams had more of a hand in the last two episodes than Reed did. It Possibly. feels that the first four episodes are much. And I say this a much tighter plotted yeah. and organised better mm, mm. by a professional writer as yeah. opposed to a producer who's yeah. not a writer who's probably just had a few good ideas mm. it just yeah. it just feels a bit sloppy I, those last two episodes I'll be honest, especially the last yeah, one yeah I, I think yeah. ultimately I think it would have been better if there had just been one invading race mm. because I think you could have kept it the Vardens just made them a bit more better, interesting or, or yeah if it was either just the Vardens or just the Santarans but then you wouldn't have the whole it finishes, then starts up again mm. in a very brief... Well, you know, it's... Um, yes, but that wouldn't matter because if you weren't going to do the four-part followed by the two-part, if you, if you, if you were going to set out from the beginning and say we're just having one mm. alien invader, mm. then you would write it as a six-part yes, story, not as a four yeah, and a two. That's what I mean. You wouldn't have that whole we've defeated one race and then immediately another race suddenly turns yeah. up and take over because you, you've just got the one invader. Yeah. You know, I, do, I think that would be better. Um, and the one thing we haven't discussed yet is the TARDIS in interior well we briefly said it looks rubbish but uh, yeah but i think because one of the things you said because i know i know some people like the fact that there's all sorts of things in there and to that extent yes but one of the things we we were talking about while watching it is the problem we find with it is it all looks really shabby yeah it's all like dilapidated run down ruined buildings or something yeah i think i think the thing is i don't have a problem with there being like some exposed brickwork corridors Mm. or different stuff but you need different style things like for example once they've come out of those Storerooms, which are all brick with yeah, yeah. with with steps going down it. Yeah, yeah. The next room should be something like a Venetian mm. palace, or uh, another room should be like a museum. Yeah. Or because the thing is, though, the Doctor would make the rooms individual to exactly. to reflect himself mm. and the places he's been and all that kind of stuff. It just all just looks a bit kind of. Oh look, we found a disused building. We'll use yeah. that, and 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 unfortunately, that's how it feels. And you don't ever think we're in the time. No, no, you don't. Yeah, I ju- and and yeah, as I said, it all looks very shabby and run down and a bit sort of well, crap. Yeah, I just think. If that's the inside of the TARDIS, is that the best you could do? Mm. Uh, and I mean, you actually said something quite well, quite present because when, once, you, once yeah. they came out of the central console room into, they go through the door and out into a corridor. You can actually see the doors open, and you can see inside the console room and the room they've just gone into. It makes it look like they've just gone backstage. Yeah, it looks like they've come off the set into in, into. In, <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. It, and it's just yeah, yeah, it just feels wrong and mm. not very good and a bit sort of. Oh, you know, again, you just think, is that the best you can yeah. come up with? Is that really the best you can mm. do? And it's a shame, because it it's it just kind of... I can see what they wanted to try and do, but it just doesn't work. Yeah. So, have you got anything else to mention, or should not we rate re- this? Not really. Okay, let's rate this. You can go first this time. Okay, oh, I'll go first this time. Okay, well, let's see. I think I'm going to give <laughs> it a two. A two? Yeah. Okay. I'm give it a two. It was better than I was expecting. I found episode one was a struggle. I found the Vardens in either form were deathly dull and a rather rubbish villain. The Sontaran leader was just not very well done. I mean, I never felt that the Time Lords would have just given in to an invasion so quickly. They roll over pretty quick, you know, didn't like, they? Oh, hey, by the way, here's your new masters. And they all bow down immediately. You know, mm. it's I, I just felt... 
there was so there mu- wasn't as much resistance there as perhaps was, there should have been. There was a lot of potential to the idea of Gallifrey being invaded. Mm. I don't think overall despite i would say about three or four episodes being quite decent overall i think it's i think as anthony reed says in the making of thing we just about got away with it and i would say yeah i think you just about got away with it but it's not only just it's not one i'd go back to okay well i pretty much agree with pretty much all of that pretty much much. (laughs) uh you know i I think i would go back to it but not for a long time Mm. um it wouldn't it wouldn't be what you know like for example i haven't watched it for best part of what nearly 20 years or something Mm. um i wouldn't leave it that long again but yeah i pretty much agree with you on all of that i'd say Mm. so i'm probably gonna yeah no i will give it a two as well okay i was toying with two and a half i I was expecting you to get actually i don't know it's just not quite average it's not quite good enough to mm. get a two and a half mm. close i had episodes five and six followed the quality of one two three and four i would have been prepared to go to maybe a two and a half or even possibly a three right but unfortunately the the quality does nosedive mm. with five and six mm. as soon as the Sontarans turn up it suddenly takes a turn for the worse and then when they get into the TARDIS that's it it's all over yeah you know frankly mm. and so uh, yeah it doesn't get anywhere beyond a two for me so but two's not bad you know we, we, we've, ha- we've had we've had some had worse we've had a lot worse the previous story the previous for story a start really <laughs> <worse>. <laughs> you know so yeah as, as, as seasons go season 15 series started 15 off started well. off pretty good actually Did, unfortunately didn't end well, well yeah no the first what one two three first, like, four, four stories, stories went well yeah the last Two didn't. Yeah, first four stories. It was it was as good as you could hope for mm. with a new production team, and there was a strong element in there. Horror Fang Rock, Sunmaker's image of the Fendal, mm-hmm. even Invisible Enemy was miles better than we were expecting, mm. and it was just Underworld. Unfortunately, it was where the switch got flicked. The money yes. ran out, and the old team has finally gone, and the new team have suddenly got the last yeah. things to do, and it's all gone a bit pear shaped. So That's I think rather than judge them on those two stories which I think there are plenty of factors involved to suggest it's not entirely their fault will I think I shall judge their su- failure or success on the strength of series 16 yes um, because this is the one where they've got total they've got control, total control over it's it, all, yeah, it's all, and it can, it's it can be the way they want yeah. it to be. Yeah. Now I know you're really not looking forward to this, but oh, I'm kind I am. of I am. <laughs> I'm really I'm I'm really jazzed about the next series. The fact you use the word jazzed is, is a sign that you're lying through your teeth. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. I'll, we'll give it a go. So we'll yeah. see how we get on. Um, for a lot of people, this is the start of where it, we enter a fabulous new era. And for a lot of other people, it's where the whole thing turns to shit. So yes. who knows? Absolutely. <laughs> I suspect the truth may lie somewhere, somewhere in, in the, the middle. middle. But, fabulous uh, shit. <laughs> fabulous <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, shittily fabulous yeah, no absolutely. but uh, we'll see shittulous but <laughs> fabulous shit <laughs> alright well, you can carry this one on after <laughs> we've closed the mic alright <laughs> so there we go that's the invasion of time the end of series 15 yep. bye bye Leela bye bye K9 we'll miss you Leela um, well effectively with we the, with the, with, well, with the uh, you're still there with Leela gone that's it and Robert Holmes gone the Hinchcliffe yep. era is now totally over absolutely and so we are absolutely in the Graham Williams yes. era from now on yep. so thank you very much for listening and goodbye You've been listening to Time Vault, a non-profit making podcast created and produced by Paul and Michael Greaves. You can join our Facebook group and follow us at our website, thetimevault.wordpress.com.